It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, James Rapine joins the podcast. You might remember him from Lockdown Bengals before Joe and I took it over. I'm sure you all do. Of course, many of you have asked for James to come back onto the podcast throughout the year, and it's just appropriate this week. It's Browns week. That's the team that James covers up in Cleveland now. Of course, he's still a Bengals fan. You'll hear from him about that, his opinion on the offseason, his opinion on the game, and more after I get you updated on the latest news and notes out of Cincinnati today, that's where we start every day. That's where we're starting today. John Ross is back and ready to go. Damian Willis is back on the practice squad for the transactions for the Bengals today. Looking at the injury report, though, an uh, unexpected name showed up on the do not practice list, and that was Sam Hubbard. Zach Taylor said that Hubbard is going to be managed throughout the week and is expected to play. That goes for him and a few guys that are limited today. Seathan Carter coming off a concussion. Nick Vigil still dealing with the ankle injury that he played through last week. And he played well last week, so you hope he can continue to do so, even though he is a little bit banged up. Sean Williams on the injury report with an ankle. And Brandon Wilson has a hand injury. He's limited as well. All of those guys, I think, are expected to play. But A.J. Green will not likely play this week. Drew Sample continues to not practice with his ankle injury. He's still likely not going to play, maybe not for the rest of the season. Geno Atkins, Darquez Denard, Tyler Eifert were all limited or didn't practice as part of their veteran rest days and just managing the workload on all of those players, especially as Denard continues to get into football shape after missing the greater part of the beginning of the season. For the Browns, it's a much longer list of injuries, and if you are in the camp that wants the Bengals to secure that number one overall pick, this is reason to be a little bit concerned. Odo Beckham Jr. has been dealing with a groin injury all year, and the Browns haven't really figured out how to use Odell Beckham Jr. effectively all year. This should be a terrifying chess piece for Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. Instead, it doesn't seem like they're using him to his full potential. Regardless, he was limited today with his groin injury. Going through the list of guys that were limited or didn't practice for the Browns, Demetrius Harris, the tight end, was limited with a shoulder injury. Chris Hubbard, the tackle, didn't practice with a knee injury. And Carlos Dunlap, fresh off his 
AFC Player of the Week award is probably licking his chops ready to go again if Hubbard doesn't play. Kaderil Hodge, wide receiver, was limited with an Achilles injury. Jarvis Landry was limited with a hip injury. Baker Mayfield banged his hand on a helmet last week. He was limited with both the hand and the rib injury that he's dealing with. Greg Robinson, however, back with his concussion. Olivier Vernon and Greedy Williams, the other two big names to watch. Limited for Olivier Vernon and his knee injury. And Greedy Williams, the second starting corner for the Browns, limited with a shoulder injury. J.C. Treader, the Browns starting center, also didn't practice with a knee injury. So that could be two offensive linemen down for a unit that hasn't been exactly good for the Browns this year. And with the Bengals defense playing really well the last three weeks, if those guys can't go, it might be tough for the Browns to get their offense going. That said, the Browns' skill positions are still stocked. They've got Kareem Hunt, who's played really well since coming off his eight-game suspension. He's been a great compliment for Nick Chubb. Outside, of course, they've got Beckham and Landry, both of whom are dealing with injury, but both of whom are also very productive, talented players. So if Baker Mayfield can play more like he did in 2018, if he can get some decent protection, if he can find those receivers, could be tough for the defense that's played really well the last two weeks. And this will be the best offense the Bengals have played, at least since they played Oakland. At least if you go by DVOA from Football Outsiders, Oakland ranks 11th in offense and Cleveland ranks 17th. The Steelers and the Jets down at the bottom of the league. The Steelers are 28th in total offense, according to DVOA, and the Jets are 31st. So the last two weeks, Despite the Jets' recent success come against teams that have been struggling all year on offense, the Browns much closer to the top of the league than they are the bottom of the league, right in the middle of the pack. So expect a stiffer test for the defense that has really been playing quite well. But again, if some of those guys on the offensive line for Cleveland aren't going, that bodes well for a defensive line that's really put it together in all phases of the game. Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Geno Atkins all getting it done as pass rushers. You throw in Josh Tupo and Andrew Billings. Those guys are getting it done as run defenders along with the aforementioned defensive linemen. So could be a good test for this defense that has started to gel and come together. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton gets to throw to John Ross and a nearly full complement of skill players, really only missing A.J. Green at this point. And the offensive line gets to go out there against a team without Miles Garrett and with a gimpy Olivier Vernon and hopes to put together a second consecutive good week. All of those factors will be key in this weekend's matchup. We'll keep an eye on the injury report for the rest of the week and see how it shapes up for the first battle for Ohio. All right, so James will join us here in just a minute, but before that, I want to remind you all that if you want to go to Miami for that fateful game that could determine the Bengals' spot in the draft order, and you might even be able to root for a win depending on the way things go, Take a vacation to Miami, go down to the Kimpton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel for just $149 a night. For details, go check out the Locked On Bengals Twitter page. We'll give you a link to that $149 room. And on top of that, 10 minutes away from the beach, 20 minutes away from the stadium, $35 tickets. Or if you feel like spending big, you can go to the club at 85 Lower bowl, 90 bucks. We'll give you a link to those ticket prices as well. Those are the family and friends ticket prices. Average low in Miami, 65 degrees. Go take a vacation. Check out the Bengals while you're down there. Thanks to our friends at the Kimpton Epic Miami Hotel. 
Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. All right, so we are with the former host of this podcast, James Rapine. We're going to talk about the Browns, the team that he currently covers, one of the teams he currently covers up in Cleveland. But last time you were on the show, James, you reassured us that you are still a Bengals fan. Is that still the case today in December 2019? No way. Baker all the way. No, it is. Of course it is. I, uh... That do, it doesn't leave you, you know what I'm saying? And I've been in Cleveland now for a year, but that, it doesn't leave you. I, I want, I want the Browns to to succeed because professionally for me it would certainly help things. And and from a, a fan standpoint, uh, the Browns are, are where Bengals fans were. I think, you know, oh two, oh three. Well, I thought this was their oh five, going to be a breakout year for them and, and be kind of fun. And it hasn't been that. So I feel bad for, for Browns fans, and I want them to succeed. But no, no doubt that uh, deep down, obviously, I'm a Bengals fan, Cincinnati native, and uh, that, that hasn't changed. I, I hope John Ross scores three touchdowns Sunday. How's that? That's great. I don't. I, I hope that if that happens, Odell Beckham Jr. also scores three touchdowns to offset it because I, I, the Giants only have two wins, and – we we want a quarterback here in Cincinnati, despite Andy Dalton coming back and playing pretty well, all things considered. He he was behind a banner day for this offensive line in terms of pass protection last week, but by all accounts, played a reasonable game. Doesn't matter. We're we're looking twenty twenty. The writing's on the wall, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. But let's just get into the quarterback discussion now because you said you were a Tua guy for a long time. I was a Tua guy for a long time. I came around on Joe Burrow a little bit. When you see just the productivity numbers, I've talked to Mike Renner about it. We did a whole episode on it, Joe and I did, where we ended up just talking about Joe Burrow for the whole episode, talking about his limitations, how they might be overcome in the NFL. What's your feeling there? Are you a Joe Burrow guy? Have you been converted? I don't want to say converted, but I think it's going to be really hard for the Bengals. I'm quarterback regardless, and and those – uh, listening now that listen when I was on hell, I talked about quarterbacks all the time as the host, man. It was something that, you know, the Blandy Dalton, I just got tired of it because at some point you get, you got to 
replace the quarterback. You've done the first-round offensive lineman. You've done uh, first-round deep threat wide receiver. You've done Joe Mixon and multiple second-round running backs. Like you've done as much as you can, I think, and now you've replaced the coach as much as you can to, to build around Andy. But at some point, it's just time for a change. So that, that's where I am as, as far as Andy's concerned. And, and now is the, the most clear time uh, to, to pick a quarterback because they're going to be drafting in the top five, like you said, hopefully first overall. By the way, my fantasy team would love, love if Odell Beckham Jr. had three touchdowns Sunday. So, so I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, but, but, yeah, this is the time now um, where, where they're really in position to take that franchise quarterback because you think back 2017 – they still felt like if they found a way to replace um, Marvin Jones, who, who had left a couple years prior, they could get back to that 2015 offense. And, and it's, I know there was lineman issues and all that, but, but that's what they thought. They thought Andy could still be the guy. Last year, the coaching staff didn't buy into to Lamar Jackson in the draft. That was the perfect opportunity. They didn't do it. Fine. Well, now well, they're going to draft first overall, and, and it's – it's time to get the quarterback. You just have to. You can't pass on it again. You could have made the argument for Watson in, in 17, Lamar in 18. Now's the time. Where, whoever it is, and, and I've obviously kept an open mind there, but it, it's got to be a franchise quarterback first overall. Yeah, I think if you're picking first overall, with the way this roster is constructed, if they think they are just a defensive end away, if they think they're just a Chase Young away, <laughs> I mean, you think that's going to make up for 10 wins? You need, you need something big to change. And, and I think they need to change our organizational approach. I think that the attendance numbers being as bad as they've ever been in Paul Brown Stadium, they just had their worst attended game, I think, since Paul Brown Stadium opened, under 40,000. Right. I think it was worse since 95. I want to say, yeah, the 39,000 mark. And that's the recorded, you know, the reported attendance. Oh, so. yeah. I bet there. I bet there was twenty two thousand people there. Twenty five thousand people there. It was probably pretty rough. It looked empty. I, I at one yeah. point saw a picture and I was like, "Oh yeah, it looks like there's probably about ten thousand people there." And then I was corrected. <laughs> it was probably more like twenty. But I mean, that's got to be embarrassing or hurtful at some level to the the Brown family. It certainly isn't good for their revenues. I know a mass. Uh, a large portion of of the Brown family's earnings come from revenue sharing. And they have that great stadium deal, so maybe they don't care that much. But you hope that they care, right? You hope that the fans are part of the impetus for the Marvin Lewis change. You hope that this will spur additional changes because the team needs to operate differently. They they can't hang their hats on consecutive good drafts and just try to extend those guys because they haven't hit in the draft. So now you need to build your team another way, or it's just going to take forever. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. And I think as bad as they are, and obviously now that they have that one win, I didn't think they needed to go 0-16 or even try to uh, to still secure the number one pick. But it, as bad as they are, let's say they end up 1-15 or 2-14. and If that happens, I still don't think it needs to be a, a four-year rebuild or something no. crazy. I really don't. I, I, I think that if they're, they're active in free agency, and, and it's not only the Bengals. The Browns struggle with this. Heck, New England struggles with this. It is hard now. To, to draft offensive linemen, plug-and-play offensive linemen that are instantly going to be uh, a cornerstone of your franchise or in year two or year three be a big part of your offensive line and start. It's hard to get it right, well, and especially development-wise with the practice time lower, with the new CBA, all that stuff. So what you need to do 
is attack that in free agency. Go get established linemen in a free agency. They don't have to be great, right? You don't need to spend crazy money, but if you overspend a little bit on a, a right tackle, let's say, opposite Jonah Williams, um, and you move Cordy Glenn into guard, apparently he's sticking around now, and you do that next year, suddenly that line feels a little bit better, assuming you uh, draft a couple young guys and stuff like that, and you keep Hopkins around, who's going to be a free agent. So I think you can rebuild the line pretty quickly. you got to draft a quarterback early. Um, and, and then linebackers, too. That's the other thing. Do they spend linebackers-wise, or are they going to wait to the middle rounds again uh, to get linebackers? So I, I think it could turn around quick. And, and I will give Mike Brown the benefit of the doubt here, even though I get why people are so frustrated. I think he does look at those empty seats, and he's going to say, all right, we do have to change things around. It can be quick, but much like the, the transition year from 2010 to 2011 where they kept Marvin, they need another transition year here where they're, they're finding talent and they're going out and bringing it in and getting a new quarterback um, and seeing what can happen there. And so it, it'll be interesting uh, to see what they do, but they certainly need to be more active um, in free agency. And honestly, they need to go after quality um, free agents. You don't need a bunch of uh, Preston Brown, right? If you can go out and get one extremely athletic linebacker that's going to change the way, the way your, your defense plays, then go do it. And then you can draft around that and build around it. Yeah, you have to at least try, right? Because right now, in the last couple of days on Twitter, people point to Quan Alexander got hurt, CJ Mosley got hurt, don't go sign a linebacker. And obviously players get hurt in the NFL. That's not predictable. That doesn't mean just don't sure. do it. That's insane. I will say in the defense of Nick Vigil, who I have ragged on all year, he's been much improved in the last three games. And there are reasons to believe that some of that is genuine. The other mitigating factor in believing that that is genuine improvement is, well, they've played the Steelers in their fifth-string quarterback, Oakland, who's mm-hmm. been struggling, and then the Jets, who I don't really know what to make of the Jets game because they had been rolling, and they held the Jets to, to a couple field goals. The defense actually played really well. So hard to say what really is going on with the Jets. They're generally a pretty bad team, in my opinion. They got hot for a few weeks. They went absolutely ice cold. But I agree. I mean, the way to address some of these positions has to be free agency, and it can't be B.W. Webb and Preston Brown and Bobby Hart and John Miller. Those are those are adequate depth pieces if that's what you need, but that is not what they need, right? They need the game changers because the guys they have that are game changers are too few and not impactful enough. Yeah, and I think that the first sign of change needs to be who you move on from. Right. right, and thank God they moved on from Andre Smith, but Bobby Hart, that I'm pretty sure, and I might be wrong on this, but I don't think any of the, the money in that contract is guaranteed yeah, after that's... this year. So, so you move on from Bobby. Uh, Dre Kirkpatrick, I, I think the cap hit on his contract shrinks a lot after this season, so I, I would move on from him and free up that money. And then I know there's no guaranteed money on Andy. I think if he plays well down the stretch, and I, I expect him, and I know we'll get into Sunday, I think he'll play pretty well Sunday. I think he's going to have some kind of value. You'll be able to get something in return for him. Um, so I would try to trade him. If not, move on from him and use all of that money. Uh, you, you know, it's not like you're, we're talking about them spending a ton more than they are. It's taking the funds and almost the dead money and applying it elsewhere. And then you have a cheap quarterback on a rookie contract behind a more stable offensive line with linebackers that can move. Maybe you draft a young corner, and that's something that they've had decent success with, right, drafting corners. So, so I think that they're – if they kind of shift the funds over, it's not like Mike Brown needs to 
spend a bunch more than he is, shift those funds and be open to change. Yet again, this is the same guy that kept Leon Hall for $9 million just last year in Cincinnati instead of restructuring or, or moving on. You know, yeah. he's, he's very loyal. So who knows if it happens, but I'm hoping that happens because if you do that, you really don't have to spend a lot more this offseason. It's just reallocating the funds to, to other positions and using it more, more efficiently. There's some structural things I think the Bengals can do in terms of their front office and the way they generally run the franchise that can make a big difference too. We've talked about for years, the scouting department, far too small. You add six scouts, that goes a long way in establishing some goodwill for me as a fan who's looking at them as doing business way too old-fashioned. They have to modernize, I think, their operations. So you you improve your front office, you, you build a practice facility, you... You, you establish a ring of honor. You you embrace analytics to some degree because you look around the league and the teams that are doing this are successful. And Zach Taylor has done it to some degree to his credit. They've gone for it on fourth down a bunch. I talked to Jay Morrison about that a couple days ago. So those are four big changes that I'd like to see as well outside of the approach to free agency that would give me some faith that this franchise has a direction. Yeah, I'm with you. I think... Look, if if you're think about it like this, if you're and now I cover the Indians and the Indians are a very frugal, right? They're very they're considered and if you don't live in Cleveland or you're not an Indians fan, I have no idea before I covered them. But it's it, the way they operate is we're going to operate from within. We're going to um, a lot like the Bengals did when they were successful from 11 to 15. Yeah. We're going to draft, develop, promote, and then we're going to pay who we can but we might have to move off these guys because we're, we know we're not going to be able to afford all of them. And, and I, I think with the Bengals, I know they've kept a lot of their guys around, but, but the point is if you're going to build through the draft and that is where you make your hay, why wouldn't you have a big scouting department? Exactly. Like it makes no sense. You, you, you can't say, oh, well, we don't spend in free agency. We're going to, to out-draft people and then not have one of the best scouting departments. It, it, you know, it's, it's counterproductive. So if you're going to invest in the scouting department, fine. Uh, or if you're not going to do that, fine, but then you need to invest in free agents that are proven that you think fit, fit the bill, and they haven't done that. And if you want to be the best at drafting, well, guess what? You need to relocate and, and put a lot of assets and time and money into that scouting department so you can outscout Bill Belichick, so you can outscout some of these teams that always find a, uh, seem to find the, these, these diamonds in the rough or, or guys in the draft that can contribute right away. The Patriots' weakness is obviously wide receiver. They can't draft a wide receiver for anything. Uh, but outside of that, they do pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you look at teams like the Ravens, even the Colts lately, modern, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, fully outfitted scouting departments. And the Colts are a team that for a long time I said, they don't know what they're doing either. But there, there was a cool YouTube series, I don't know if you saw it, that was like inside the draft. They went in with Frank Ballard and all the scouts, and they showed some of the meetings. And it, they have they have a modern scouting department, and it's worked out for them. They are hitting on guys in the middle rounds. And, and they're obviously, you know, they lose Andrew Luck. That's a big setback for that franchise. But they're starting to put together a good track record in recent years in the draft. And it's almost like the Bengals got lucky a few years there and kind of got complacent and, and thought that that would continue to work. But let's talk a little bit about the football game this weekend because this is a game between your your childhood fandom team, right? The team that you're still a fan of and the teams that you the team you cover now. But before we get there, James, I know you're familiar with my bookie and you're a football fan that 
Thinks you know games well enough, you can call them. MyBookie is a place for you to go because they'll let you turn your sports knowledge into money. We all like money in our wallet, especially around the holiday time between football, NBA, start of the college basketball season. There is no better time than now to join MyBookie. You'll get 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000 matched. So if you put $2,000 in, that's $1,000 in bonus cash to play with on MyBookie. Again, that is a 50% match all the way up to $1,000. So you can put in as much as $2,000, get 50% of that back as bonus credit. You can do your parlays. You can go big. You can swing for the fences. You can make single game picks. Whatever your style is, they've got an option for you. MyBookie.ag, promo code locked on. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code locked on. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get reward. All right, James, so what do you think? What are we going to see in the game this weekend? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, especially given the loss last week uh, that the, the Browns had to the Steelers. And I'll be honest, it felt a lot like some of those Bengals years mm-hmm. where you thought the Bengals should win and just they, they can't get out of their own way. Yep. That's how this Brown te- Browns team feels. It really does. Um, and it's honestly, I think it, the, the first five five to ten minutes of this game could determine it. Because if the Browns come out and they they're firing on all cylinders and they score a couple touchdowns and, and the defense looks fast and, and they're getting after Andy, I think they could put the Bengals away quick. I'm just not sure they're going to come out with that type of type of passion. Maybe they do at home, but I know the fan base is frustrated. Baker Mayfield has an injured hand. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, so we'll see how that goes. He's, expected to play it's just a bruise but it's just it's one of those things where now that your your playoff lives are down to five six percent how motivated are you that's certainly a question and, and i certainly don't don't trust freddie kitchens to be the the guy that's going to get his guys motivated to go out and, and play a, a one-win Bengals team so i think there's a, a good chance that sunday ends up being a pretty close game i just hope it doesn't get ugly because the browns have played some very emotionally charged games let's say against the steelers i personally i'm sick of that i'm glad that it hasn't happened with the bengals this year and i just don't want to see more of that but looking at the practice report report for the browns odell beckham limited with his groin injury uh chris hubbard tackled limited with the knee didn't practice actually with the knee jarvis landry limited with a hip baker limited with his hand and a rib injury greg robinson came back from a concussion but coming back from a concussion uh, Olivier mm-hmm. Verdon, that's a big one, limited with his knee. Greedy Williams, limited with the shoulder. So a lot of guys that are important starters on the on the injury report, a lot of them are going to play, but th- there's a lot of guys dinged up. Yeah, no doubt. Like Vernon, for example, like with, without Miles Garrett, Vernon's the primary pass rusher yeah. on the Browns, and he had missed the past three games up until last Sunday, and he's really non-existent yeah. uh, against the Steelers. He, he made a, a play or two, a quarterback hurry or two, earlier in the game, early in the game. But other than that, I didn't really notice him. And that's why I think the Bengals' offense in that line should be able to hold up Sunday, back-to-back weeks. I don't want to jinx them. But with Cordy Glenn back, and you mentioned how, how good they played last week against the Jets, I think he got a shot there. And then uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he's dealt with that, that groin for, for most of the year. He's been limited on Wednesdays occasionally. Or in, in, on the injury report, even if he's a full participant, for basically the entire season. So I would expect him to go 
Um, but but yeah, it is. It, it's going to be one of those games, especially offensive line wise, because Greg Robinson. That's good that he came back. Um, but Chris Hubbard, as bad as he's been, he's still better than what you have in the Browns' offensive line. It's it's better than the Bengals all like all season long, but it's certainly been a, a sore spot on that offense. So um, it, it, injuries. If it takes away from that offensive line at all, or Olivier Vernon or anything like that, that could be a big loss in what is a must-win game for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, you compare the injury report. Bengals fans have been complaining about injuries all year, and a lot of that is because A.J. Green hasn't played all year. But the Browns' list is about double the Bengals right now. The Bengals are missing Sam Hubbard. That's a big one. He didn't practice with a knee injury. I didn't read anything else about that. I sort of expect that he'll be okay. I didn't notice anything bad happen in the game itself, but... We'll have to watch that one throughout the week. And then Eifert, limited, but that's not injury-related. Vigil, still limited with an ankle, but he played well again last week despite having the ankle injury. Sean Williams has been dealing with injuries late in the year, as he usually does, so not a very long list, right? A.J. Green, obviously a big one, but John Ross is back, so mm-hmm. there's yeah. a test there. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is almost the scary part if you're a Bengals fan because you're getting – you've put yourself in this position now. And I know they've played, what, six, one possession, six really close games, and the Seattle yeah. game was tough, and the Buffalo game was tough, and all this. But it's been a, a painful season. Yeah. And the reward is a top pick. But now you're getting a, a Browns team that's all but eliminated. Not yet, but almost. They're banged up, like you said, and you're getting pretty healthy. right? Andy Dalton coming back certainly gave a jolt to that locker room. Uh, Carlos Dunlap had a huge week, and he's probably looking at some of the, the Browns' tackles thinking, hey, I can have another big week this week, and then I would completely agree. Geno Atkins probably licking his chops, looking at that interior, uh, even though that's the, the strength, I would say, if there is one uh, of the Browns' line. But still, uh, he could probably have a pretty big day. So there is a path here where the, the Bengals can come up to Cleveland, not only compete but win. And I think two wins is about where you want to max out at. Not that you don't want to play well down the stretch and see some young guys perform well but uh two wins is is probably my max i don't even want to risk three because i think if you get the three um you could be in danger of losing that top overall pick yeah i mean i can easily see the giants winning one more game eli manning's coming back off the bench i don't know if that's going to be a net positive for the giants but he he's going to play for daniel jones probably for a couple weeks here and the giants play miami at least right and they play the eagles twice Maybe I have a mixed yeah. up. But yeah, they have the Eagles this week, I know. All, all these teams that are at the bottom are playing each other a bunch in the last few weeks of the season, and the Eagles look all out of sorts. They just lost to the Dolphins, so that's got to be a winnable game. So I, I'm with you. I, I'm worried about three wins for sure. Two wins, I can see the Giants getting another one. And even if the Giants do end up picking first, Dave Gettleman will probably pick a running back because <laughs> Dave Gettleman things. But... I mean, what do you, you don't want to risk it, right? Because maybe Dave Gettleman wises yeah. up and decides, oh, you know what? Somebody's going to trade me three first round picks if I trade back three spots. Maybe I should do that and draft a running back there instead of it first overall. Yeah, and, and that's the scary part. And normally, like, you know, if, if you end up third and you could still end up with Tua, I hope you Tua, say, if, if her, uh, you know, one of these guys, or Burrow or Herbert or whoever, well, were to go first overall. That's fine, but now with Tua's injury, Herbert's been struggling over the past couple of weeks and, and kind of shown uh, what he is, which is a, a semi-accurate, sometimes extremely inaccurate quarterback with a huge arm. It seems like it is just Burrow. 
and so the the options aren't there like it felt like they could have been a couple months ago. So I, I think first overall, like it, they need to have the discussion. Whatever it, it takes to get that first overall pick, that's what you want. And if you end up, hey, I don't think this happens if they, they're picking first overall, but if you say, hey, Burrow's not the guy and someone's offering you three first-round picks and you can still get Tua, then maybe you do it. But having the being able to call the shots and have that first-round pick is more valuable than a win over Cleveland now or a win over Cleveland at Paul Brown Stadium uh, at the end of the month, you know, or a win over Miami. And I know that was going to be the Tua Bowl, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case anymore. So uh, I'm with you. I think one more win at the most, and you can pick whatever game you want, whether it's Cleveland or at Miami uh, or, or Cleveland uh, again later in the month. But uh, that's about as much as I would want to go uh, without risking that first round or the first overall pick, excuse me. So the Browns are favored. I don't know if they're still favored by nine, but I know they open favored by nine. You think the Bengals might win this game? Are you are you comfortable enough to say, yeah, the Bengals are definitely covering? Or are you the sports betting type? You'd be willing to put that bet kind of down? <laughs> Um, I, I would lean that way. I would probably stay away because it, it really just depends to me what teams you see. Like, yeah. do, do the Browns come out and are they just pissed off because they lost last week and do they come out ready to go and are they firing on all cylinders? Because they came out two weeks ago at home against Miami and did exactly that offensively and defensively and really just uh, punched the Dolphins in the mouth early. And even though the Dolphins scored uh, in the second half and, and played well in the second half. It just wasn't enough to overcome. And the Browns have played well at home recently. They've won their last three games at home. So so that part of it would be would be kind of scary if I was betting on this game uh, the Bengals' way. That being said, I think that they could certainly hang around. I think that especially if the Browns don't get off to a quick start, I like Zach Taylor more than Freddie Kitchens, so that matters. And that's not saying a lot because I don't think Freddie Kitchens should keep his job um, we mentioned the injuries at, at tackle, and if Greg Robinson comes back, that's fine. But he's not going to scare anyone. So I, I think that the Bengals certainly, uh, skill pos- position-wise, Joe Mixon is up there with, with, and I know Hunt and Chubb are great, but Joe Mixon's up there, man. And I tried to tell people that, and it's it's tough. I think Tyler Boyd's right there with Travis Landry. You know, there is no Odell Beckham Jr., but the Browns don't know how to use Odell Beckham Jr. right no. now. So who knows if he counts? So. Yeah, I think that they, the, the Bengals have a shot. If I had to lean one way or the other, I would take them in the points, but I would probably stay away because I think there'll be one of, one or two extremes. Like it'll be like 24-21 and it could go either way, or it'll be 30-10 to and the Browns never gave the Bengals a chance. So it's, uh, it's one extreme or the other in my book. Yeah, it's really hard to say with both of these teams right now what you're going to get, especially without Miles Garrett out there and with the inconsistency and the inexperience of Freddie Kitchens. I, I I get it. I'm with you. I, I don't know what team I'm going to expect either. Jeff Lloyd yesterday on the crossover episode was talking about how he likes it when the team comes out and plays angry, but you don't really know what you're going to get. You expect that they'll get up for a home game against a divisional opponent, but who knows? It, it's I, yeah. I think the Freddie Kitchens hire looks worse and worse by the day. I, I mean, is there any chance that he's back? Are they going to give him another year just to try to get some consistency? Or are they going to say, you know what, we need somebody who can – rein this team in i know from a a general standpoint right you don't want to fire a coach after one season but i I don't know of a coach that could have done worse than he's done right now i mean it it, you're five and seven odell beckham jr is 
non-existent in Which the offense crazy. for long, long stretch. It's it's insane. And like there are fans, Jake, that that think like it's OBJ's fault. Like they're like, man, he just he just doesn't fit this offense. I'm like OBJ fits any offense. I can't believe we're having this conversation. But like that's that's how some people are believing. I'm like that should not be the case. In that alone, like he was hired for his play calling, right? You know how many years we watched Marvin's defense struggle, and it's like, man, he was hired for his defense. And, well, this is the the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And it's year one. Uh, he has as much talent as any first year head coach could ever want. And I know there's some flaws, um, but but overall, he was handed a dream job. I mean, first year, you get uh, Baker Mayfield going into year two. You had worked well with him. And you have all this talent from Odell Beckham Jr. to Jarvis Landry. And then you get Kareem Hunt a gift after eight games, and he's been great. I mean, Kareem Hunt has been great, slid right in, and played well next to Nick Chubb. I just, to me, I don't bring him back. And I'm not usually a proponent of, especially after one year. Like, I think Zach Taylor should be back next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bengals, by the way, still fighting, still playing really hard, despite a bunch of injuries and A.J. Green being out and all these different uh, things that they've dealt with, Andy Dalton getting benched, et cetera. I, I, so I, I think the, the verdict's still out, uh, and it isn't just record. The verdict's still out on uh, on Taylor. But Kitchens just has been bad. So I, I would move on. Like I think Marvin Lewis would have eight wins with this team, and I'm yeah. not a big Marvin fan. you know. So if, if you could go out and get – and you can find a Marvin, an mm-hmm. experienced coach that's going to give you some discipline, just some. Oh. Ron and Rivera, way, right? Not, Ron Rivera, anything like anyone like that that can overcome two decades of losing with the talent that they have, and they have a ton of it. That's it, you know. You get to ten wins, and you start to feel good, and then you can start to think about that next level. Um, I, I just, I think they thought Freddie Kitchens, the way his relationship was with Baker, the play calling at the end of last season, that it would carry over. And I think it's almost the Sean McVay effect to a certain degree. Like, oh, yeah, we got to go with the offensive mind. Yeah, well, let's also not go with the, the, the position coach who's a running backs coach in Arizona for 10 years, has never been a coordinator, uh, called some decent plays for five or six games down the stretch, including two games against the Bengals, you know, with that defense last year, which was one of the worst in the NFL history, and, uh, and, and just do that. And they, they made the wrong decision. And, and so – I think if you can come to that conclusion, you should move on. I'm just not sure. I think they could worry, oh, I don't know if we should move on after one year. My argument would be plenty of coaches want to coach Baker Mayfield, Nodell Beckham Jr., Nick Chubb, and Jarvis Landry, and Miles Garrett, and you know Denzel Ward. I could go on and on and on, yeah. right? So, so I think that the job would still be um, sought after, and they would be able to get their target had they if they move on from Kitchen. So I know I, I'm rambling here, but it's – it's crazy to me that I'm saying this, but I still think that there's a shot that he comes back next year. But I, I don't even know if I would have brought him back after last week, after the T-shirt thing yeah. uh, in the movie theater and all that stuff. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. He's definitely not an NFL head coach. Yeah, the the circus around it, right? The mm-hmm. just every time you you hear about Freddie Kitchens and the Browns in the media, it's like, what the hell are they doing up there? Like, be a professional football team. This is a year you were supposed to get it together, and you just this is what you do with it. And it's, it's got, I, you feel a little bit for the Browns fans, right? Because there, there's good football reasons to think this team should have been really good. And instead they get what they've gotten this season and, uh, you know, admiration to them that stick with the team, but similar to a lot of Bengals fans, I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame them for being at the end of their rope a little bit and saying, come on guys, let's just, 
let's just be a professional team. Let's stop being a laughing stock. And Bengals fans, I'm sure, are feeling the same way after this season. Well, James, it's been a pleasure. Good to have you back on the podcast. I would love to get a hot take from you before you go, as as I do. Do you have any of those? Oh, a hot take. Yeah, I mean, I always have hot takes. Let's see here. Let's let's think about it. Um, well, I'll do one that I I, I said on Twitter. I obviously I haven't been able to say it on the podcast, but for your guys' listeners, I think you know, for your listeners, I've gotten a lot of pushback on my AJ Green take, but I think they should keep him. I don't think they should have moved him at the the trade deadline for a, a third round pick, like some were saying. Resign him. He's going to make life on Joe Burrow nice and, mm-hmm. and, and easy because he's going to go up and, and make plays and do that. And even if he's not the guy that we saw a couple of years ago, he can be the Larry Fitzgerald yep. to the Bengals' Kyler Murray. So that would be one. Um, you just don't let elite talents like that go. It's, um, it's funny. I said, the, of, I said the exact ahead. same thing to Jeff yesterday. I said, keep A.J. Green. Let him be your Larry Fitzgerald. And he'll be better than Larry Fitzgerald for a couple of years because he's still a little bit younger. Sure. but. That is and not. He's more physically gifted than yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. I know Larry's a top five or ten receiver ever, but he's more physically gifted than Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's that's actually not that hot of a take. Joe and I have said that since the trade deadline. We we were kind of really? of the opinion that they can move him at the trade deadline for adequate value, right? But as soon as they didn't move him, it was like, okay, you didn't trade him. You better bring him back now. Gosh, I'm trying to think of another hot take I can give you. You, you agree with this one because we talked about it before we started recording, but Tua is still going to be, I think he's going to be a top five pick and in the running for the first pick despite the hip injury. Uh, so there's one. It doesn't mean he's going to go first overall, but the Bengals or whoever else is going to evaluate him yeah. and potentially take him first overall. Yeah. Um, That's one where we just need more information for sure. Like, is he going to, what, what, how's he going to recover? If he's going to actually throw before April then yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I, I don't know. Uh, here, I'll do one for side. John Ross finds the end zone on Sunday. So we'll, we'll do that. How about that? In his return, even though he's going to be on a snap count, it sounds like, I think, uh, I think he's ready to go and ready to, by the way, you, you know how much it pained me to not be able to come on after week one or week two <laughs> when he puts up these huge numbers and be like, that's damn right. I told you guys, because I got so much criticism during that, you know, after that draft and the injuries and stuff. So good for him. Hopefully this is just the start. It was nice to, to see a coach uh, that, that actually knew how to use a speedster like Ross. It, it was refreshing to see Zach Taylor do that. Yeah, I mean, with Ross, you hope that the droughts are something that he can work on. You know, go buy yourself a jugs machine kind of thing, and, and you hope that he can stay healthy because those two criticisms, the drops is fair. The, the health thing, I mean, what can you do? You can't really criticize a guy for being injured. He broke a bone in his neck. I don't know what you want from him, but, you know, you hope he overcomes those things and has a good career because he's obviously capable of doing some pretty special yeah. things. Yeah, in the drops thing, it's, it's interesting. It, it wasn't really a thing in college. So yeah, I think that that's weird. more of a, a, a mental oh, wow, I'm actually out here making plays, and he just overthinks it a little bit. You know, after the first couple of years where it was uh, up and down and yeah. his confidence was certainly questioned with Marvin. So I think that that will solve itself out. The injuries, that is the one concern, you know, and, and it's you hope he can stay healthy. That was such a freak thing against Pittsburgh, too. Where he, I love the catch, by the way, if you remember the catch, and he gets taken down hard and it just falls awkward, and yeah, yep. hopefully, hopefully he can avoid that moving forward. You hope so. 
Well, James, thanks for the hot takes. We tried. I thought we would have some more butting of heads as we as we have on Twitter in the past, but instead we find ourselves agreeing with one another. And I don't know what that means about the world and the cosmos, but it is what's happened today. Yeah, it is. It was nice to agree. I appreciate you having me. And hopefully, uh, like I said, we're talking about Joe Burrow or, or a quarterback, whatever franchise quarterback the Bengals end up falling in love with uh, first overall. And not an Andy Dalton extension, which was going to be conversation oh. point A, and we forgot to get to it. That's too bad. Maybe next time, though. <laughs> Until then, James. No, not next time. Not ever. Never <laughs> it better not be. Oh, my God. You can't even do the joke. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll just end it there. James Rapine, everybody. Go find him on Twitter, at James Rapine. He's covering the Browns now, but he still has those Bengals takes. And it was nice to have him back in the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.